Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good Monday morning. It is the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined today by Gordon Mack. It is Monday, April 27th. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Uh, time flying by. April 27th already. Can't believe it. Almost, We're almost in May, which is, which is wild. I know. If, if track was happening right now, we'd be preparing to get ready for conference meets coming up already. The, the season would have, at least in the NCAA portion of it, would have been uh, more than halfway done. It's crazy to think because it seems like just a couple days ago the season got canceled, but th- that's how quick things have moved. Time is both moving slow and moving incredibly fast. We've entered a new dimension, it feels like. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we get started on today's show, which a uh, little preview, we're going to be doing a, a mailbag episode, getting back on some emails that maybe we've neglected uh, for a little bit, because there's just been so much going on. We haven't had time to, to get to those emails. But Gordon, I want to ask you about the NFL draft. Uh, the Eagles, I'm sure they had other picks of note, but selecting Jalen Hurts in the second round, what was your take on that? Uh, so I'm the type of Eagle, I'm the type of Philadelphia fan who is the very polar opposite of every Philadelphia fan, and I am very trustworthy of GM decisions. So mm. while I don't understand it, I don't understand why we need. Jalen Hurts to back up a 27-year-old franchise quarterback. I do, for some weird reason, just be like, hey, we want a really good second round. We run a we want a really good second string quarterback because if you think about it, the Eagles kind of relied on second string quarterbacks for the past two decades. All the way back right. to like the Jeff Garcia era when he was winning playoff games for us behind Donovan McNabb. Obviously, Nick Foles wins, a, wins us a Super Bowl. So I mean, Mike Vick was a backup at one point, and then he comes in. And Mark Sanchez was a backup. Tim, we had Tim Tebow. We just love backup quarterbacks. I don't know. It was wild. One thing that I did like from the draft was that we traded for Marquise Goodwin. So the Eagles That's now true. have an Olympian long jumper on their team. And I texted Carl Lewis after we we traded for Marquise wow. Goodwin. And I Name said, drop. Car- 
because Carl's a huge Eagles fan. And I said, hey, man, we got an Olympian on our team. He's like, I forget what he said. He said, my goodness, and then, like, thumbs up. So he was happy. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cool. I mean, how many track and field Olympians are in the NFL? One. And now I can root for him because he's an Eagle. So I was I was happy with that. Let's try again on the pod. The, the Eagles' offensive weapons, they should be plenty enough if Carson Wentz can stay on the field. And if not, I guess you have Jalen Hurts. And if Carson Wentz does stay healthy, maybe a trade trade chip. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, tra- we'll trade him to the Bears. Are you going to have another Eagles <laughs> yeah, we quarterback? Get a lot of old, we get a lot of old Eagles players. Are you ready for Marquise Goodwin's touchdown celebrations where he mimics track and field moves? Doesn't he do that? Doesn't yeah, he, like, do, like, yeah, long jump? Like, like... Or like hurdles. Yeah, he does long jump. He does a bunch of uh, different like Olympic posturing moves. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting, the the Eagles actually, now that Goodwin's on the team, um, I, I, I go on a lot of Eagles Reddit threads, and that's what I've been doing basically the do. past five days. It's just like yeah. po- posting Eagle memes on the internet and just doing my thing. Anyway, cool. Uh, when we think about track speed, right, in the NFL, everyone kind of reverts to Kansas City, right? Because you have Tyreek Hill. They got a bunch of bunch of fast guys, right? Obviously, Hill yeah. being the, the star. Um, but they were doing some stats. And the Eagles' top four guys, top 40 times, like, compares to Kansas City. And I don't know. I think at Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, and now Marquise Goodwin, that four-by-one would be pretty good. No, well, Deshaun Jackson would be the Justin Gatlin because he's like in his thirties, right? Yeah, he's well into his thirties. Jackson's like thirty-three. He's like thirty-three. Okay, why well, he's, he's been around a lot longer than that. But anyways, there uh, one um one uh podcast or YouTube video show I watch a lot, especially lately because of the NFL draft, is the Pat McAfee show. And um, at there's a moment when they talk about Kansas City's speed because they have Tyreek Hill and they might get another guy. He said that Kansas City's four by one could win win a international medal, like would be one of the top teams in the world. And I was like, "Well, that's that." I mean, it's coming okay, from a football a f- player, really not. That's not yeah, true. Former obviously. kicker. That's like a former kicker <laughs> is is making that assessment. But the people who about, th- it would. I, I was going to say the people but, who think they know about track and field speed. Uh, there, there's so many people who have think their opinions just because it's like it's just running they think they're like qualified to to say they could win an olympic medal and it's just like that doesn't hold any weight with real track and field fans like you're not that's not accurate yeah the only i mean obviously it's not accurate i mean tyreek hill though i do honestly believe if he focused only on track tyreek hill probably would be making world teams i think if he only focused on track because he was good in high school he ran twenty point yeah. something in high school, so I think if he focused, but obviously now he's bigger, so he's not going to be able to have that speed anyway. Regardless, but what it made me think about is it would be cool if during these times of craziness that the NFL decided to put on a track meet, right? And every football team has to like put together a four by one, have like uh, three guys on the four hundred have like a long jump competition, have a shot put for your lineman. And it'll be kind of cool to see which football team would win a track meet. You know, have 30, 32 teams all come together and they all got to – you make the – you know, maybe you sub 
I'm not sure. I mean, you may, you may be able to find some athletes who do like a 1500, maybe the quarterbacks or something. I don't know, but it'll be cool. It'll be, I don't know, especially seeing like a four by one where you have like they're literally wearing like track kits that are like look like their NFL jerseys. It would be kind of cool. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be for you this. Would, I mean, I think they, I you think they have to do all the events. Yeah, you have to do 800, you have to get people out there for the 10K, maybe the kickers for the 10K. Uh, and then the coaches for the race walk. I mean, you can get Andy Reid and the race, the race walk. No, I don't know. Uh, I would, no, just the relays, like sprint relays, maybe just up to the 400 would be pretty, would be pretty fascinating. You get some of those running backs, maybe to do the, do the 400, maybe receivers. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent. And at least we could finally have some material to talk about when we compare football speed to track speed, you know, we'd have some evidence when the hundred was one and and inevitably like, you know, 10, two, and it, that'd be impressive, but still yet it's nothing compared to what they're doing in professional track and field that I, I would absolutely watch an NFL track meet. I mean, they should just cancel the pro bowl and have an NFL track meet. Like that's what they should do. No one watches the pro bowl, but everyone would watch up. an NFL track meet that would make track more like, We'd always talk about like ways to get more eyes of people interested in track. It would make track more popular uh, because it would just create like a track meet that everyone is going to watch. And then mm-hmm. maybe people will be like, oh, wow. And then when people see the times and when they watch it, they'll be thinking it's interesting. And then they put up a time be like, yeah, you thought that was cool. This is what Noah Lyles and Christian Coleman do. And everyone's like, oh, really? And then you have a you have an actual – this is what you do. Then you actually have an actual professional track meet after. Or right before. Right. So mm-hmm. and you get USATF involved to kind of partner with the NFL. So USATF puts on the NFL oh, wow. track meet and they partner it with like Prefontaine Classic or whatever. And I think people would, you know, they always say like whatever TV show comes on after the Super Bowl gets like millions of ratings. Put on uh, actual track meet after the NFL track meet and you get lots of ratings. I don't know. Just an idea. Yeah. It would be cool everyone's two favorite organizations coming together for a collaboration, USATF and NFL, Max Siegel, Roger Goodell in the same boardroom. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Uh, no, I'd be supportive of that. I don't think it'll ever happen, but uh, at least, at least at bare minimum, if we can ask for like a race between some U S sprinter and like Tyreek Hill, like I know Matthew Bowling gets on, twitter and like is down to race any of these guys so i would love i know he's a collegian so that could be a little complicated but i would love to see the fastest guy in the nfl and just a good but not great sprinter race and i would love to see the outcome there uh i would be stunned if the nfl person won but uh i don't know it, it, it to, we can't have it be like christian coleman because obviously christian coleman would win but i you know just like a good good sprinter against the fastest guy in the NFL. I think the track guy would stomp him. I'd love to see that race. Cause I don't think we're going to get a full fledged track meet. Uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm here for it either way. And then, you know, a thrower's relay. So maybe a lineman four by one. I'm also, I, I'd be there Breaking for that. Breaking up a bit well. on me. Hopefully you come back. Uh, okay. Am I here with you? Okay. Now I got you a little technical difficulties. Paul, Paul, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. So you're saying, yeah, at least we want to. I mean, we're not going to get Coleman versus uh, NFL, but it would be cool to just get somebody versus an actual track athlete. 
Yeah, I just think Matthew, like, let's t- we offer up Matthew Bowling and then they bring in Ty- Tyreek Hill. Internet, that's, man, that's everyone's coming back. It's Monday. Are you there? Yeah, are you there? <laughs> yeah, you keep, we keep freezing. If you're listening to the yeah. audio, it's going to be really wild right now because we're talking over each other. Be. But uh, apologies for that. We're, we're good now. Um, let's just should, should, should we just end this conversation and head to the emails? Let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, so uh, we got a bunch of emails that have come in the past few weeks that we kind of ignored because we got other stuff to talk about, like Oregon, Mount Rushmore, and all these different things that we've been doing over the past few weeks. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to dive into the mailbag. Again, email us, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Toll-free number, right? That's what they say. Uh, but uh, actually, this first this first email kind of connects to what we've been talking about. This email comes from Patrick. He says, why don't you see professional sprint training groups like Distance Athletes? Distance has Bowerman Track Club. New Balance has their core groups across the U.S., Brooks Beast, Reebok, Boston Track Club, etc. Is sprinting more individualizing, or is there an ego, you think? This is well, from Pat. Yeah. There, there are, of course, sprinting training groups. I mean, Dennis Mitchell, controversially, has his in Florida. Noah Lyles with... Why can't I think of the Noah... What's the name of the Noah Lyles training group there in Florida? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of people. Shawnee Miller-Weibo is in that group. Um, many, many other names. So there are there are those types of things. They don't wear the the team kits, and I'm not sure why that is. Probably because there's different sponsors and and whatnot. Um, I don't know why the brands haven't decided to brand them in the in much the way the distance groups have. But there, of course, are training groups uh, that that are broken up across the country. There's uh, you know groups in California, Dalila Dali Muhammad's group with Boogie Johnson. Uh, there's plenty of elite sprint and hurdle groups around the country and the world. It's just they, for whatever reason, aren't branded the way, say, the Bowerman Track Club is. Yeah, I think the main thing uh, is that the distance runners like lean hard into the team aspect by having the team name really pop, like, you know, having a team Twitter account, an Instagram account, having your team kit, you know, it's a Everything is kind of centered around like this is my training group team. Um, even though it is individual, even on the distance side, they still I run for. You don't say I run for Nike. You say I run for Bowerman. Or you don't say I run for Brooks. You say I run for Brooks Beast. Whereas the sprinters don't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. and you could argue that's because the sprinters. I mean, some of the sprinters it's because it's different um, training groups. But even the ones that don't really have. I mean, Lance Brahman's group is majorly Adidas. They could. I think it's yeah. maybe I don't know like who is the decide who is it Nike that wants Bowerman Track Club to exist or is it Bowerman Track Club that wants to exist and then Nike sponsors it? You know what I mean? Oh, I assume like, Nike's did, calling the, calling the shots there. I but I could be I could be wrong. Another thing that I would imagine is you know the when you get as high profile as say Noah Lyles, they don't want anything in the way of standing between people understanding that he is represented by adidas they don't want pure pure isn't it like pure something pure Pure athletics pure athletics is the name of his training group 
And he could wear a kit, I guess, with that emblazoned on the front. But I don't think Adidas, knowing how high profile he is, they don't want anyone to be confused about who his sponsor is when he's been getting all this notoriety. I could be wrong, but they know that, you know, regardless of what Noah Lyles does, he's going to get more attention uh, than Evan Jager just because of the, 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 the status of the 100 and the 200 compared to the steeplechase. So... I, I, that would be my opinion is, is Adidas just wants their name front and center with everything when it comes to Noah Lyles and other top sprinters, of course. And I think that's the same. And, uh, and it could also just be as simple as, you know, not everybody in a training group has the same sponsor, but that's a good question. I, I just imagine that it's deliberate on the part of the sponsorship to, to just have a clear demarcation of what, you know, who is the sponsor of these really, really high profile Olympic medal winning athletes? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But like, you, okay, you say it's just because, you know, maybe these shoe companies look at the marquee sprinters more ideal. But I mean, yeah, you can say that for Noah Lyles because he's in the, the realm of becoming, you know, the next bolt or like the face of US track and field. But like, why doesn't you know like the the like i don't know like like why doesn't like Corey carter's group like the coach flow's group have like a, a name like a like why doesn't adidas well, like create a name around Corey carter uh, or not nah, i guess around like kenny Harris? i guess they're all different sponsors it's just different know. sponsors i mean we got I'm somebody in the same group yeah, Corey Carter's Jordan, Jenna Prandini's yeah. Puma, Kenny Harrison's yeah, Adidas. I mean, it's just that's just the complicated thing of it. And a lot of those training groups too, you know, there's those coaches have college affiliations. And so where you look at Coach Flo, I mean, he can't have a sponsor because he's at yeah. the University of Texas. Whereas obviously Jerry Schumacher can just be a Nike employee because he's not coaching college. Uh, I don't think it's something that maybe has – I think it's something that's more incidental that's happened o over anything. I mean, I think um, the Bowerman thing and the NOP thing happened in collaboration with the brands and the athletes wanting their own and coaches wanting their own thing. And, and uh, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's not a ton of like, elite distance training groups in the country and there's what like seven to ten i mean that that are officially sponsored so there are sprinting training groups they just don't necessarily get the top notoriety that uh that the distance groups get as far as their actual names but pure athletics is a thing they've named it and i think it is in some ways sponsored by adidas i mean you see the coach lance brownman he always wears adidas i think so uh, the, the, it's just not as high i guess as big as the the, the branding of the distance teams yeah, and I think just like I don't know, track and field. It's just hard to create these like not the word use the word fake, but like you know like I guess you could use the word fake teams because in a way they are because the point of the team doesn't really the team doesn't win anything right. It's all about the individual winning things right. So even though. Bowerman Track Club, you could say, is a team. It's not really, though, right? It's just it's a, it's a group of people who all have the same sponsor. That's really what it well, is and have the same coach. And, and, unless they're really looking out for your 
which team won the the distance team competition at USA's article that you always write. Yes, that's true. Inevitably, always Bowerman Track Club because they have ten times more people than anybody else. Maybe they're really leaning into that. So, uh, I mean, like we all we always talk about like how like, I mean, Grant Holloway tweeted out like, why isn't there a track and field draft? And people were like, well, they tried it with the Track Town series, and the real reason why <laughs> there's no. The real reason why there's no um, like team aspect in track and field, one is because the sport's not designed to be a team sport because we all qualify individually. But yeah. I mean, it's a whole like the sponsors don't really work in that mindset, right? Every, all the contracts are just like separate with an individual and the teams just need to form on their own if a coach wants to do it, right? Or have like a yeah. Jerry group or, you know, a Danny Mackey group. But what, I, what I'm trying to get to is, Excuse me. Oh, man. It's not COVID. Don't worry. Um, Didn't say anything. Like, <laughs> like it, um, imagine if, like, we could do, like, a reset, right, where everyone's contracts just all of a sudden became null and void, right? You get paid out for the remaining of what you were owed, but mm -hmm. everyone has to sign a new deal starting in 2021, right? Oh, man. And imagine like do you think there could ever be a world where i i get i guess you can't because brooks is not going to want to spend as much i mean it is kind of like that like the yankees are willing to spend more money than the marlins so you could argue nike <laughs> is willing to spend more money than brooks so you know could there be a situation i guess you can't draft it's all free agents there's no drafting because everyone's a free agent when you graduate i'm just trying to think if there's a way where nike can draft someone then adidas gets to pick someone so like when we did our a uh, virtual track and field draft with the first pick adidas picks danny jones with the second pick nike picks joe klecker and back and forth but why did adidas but, have the first pick i don't know I they just did sense. yeah it was it was well, a free have a, market yeah you gotta have There's a no free market a, in in uh the nfl it's like mm -hmm. it's literally your you own you, your labor. You require yeah. your own your owned labor, which is kind of weird yep. that we do that. Should we get yeah. rid of drafts in general? Why is there a draft in professional sports? I'd be a lot cooler if it was just all free agency. I'd love that. I mean, because people would still have you'd still have to get under you know salary caps and all and all that. So it's not like you could just like we're gonna hire all the best players. But uh, I would be down for that. I mean, I, I guess that would hurt some of the smaller teams. I mean, no one's gonna be signed with Buffalo probably, but. Uh, uh, I I would love for it to for the NFL. I mean, the draft is fun, but but you know, for it to be truly, you know, we're supposed to have a free market economy. I mean, that that would be. This isn't the the military going to the Vietnam War. I mean, we shouldn't have drafts. We should just people should just get to sign, and therefore, in the NBA, you know, the Bulls would probably have Zion Williamson, and. I don't know. You know, they'd be in a lot better position if they, the people in charge weren't forced to pick make the picks, but. I, I guess there is, a, there is a down a rabbit hole. Yeah, there here. is a free market though in basketball because like the shoe companies, it's a free market, right? So yeah, yeah. LeBron signs with Nike, right? That's a free market, you know, type thing. Yep. So, uh, but what I'm basically another another uh, email coming in, uh, yes. kind of connected. This is from Joe. He sent this eight days ago. He basically said, um, paraphrasing, would it be cool to have a again track and field dual meet where your team is basically your sponsor. And so doesn't matter where you are in the country, uh, uh, what country you're from. So basically everyone in the world, right? 
but mm-hmm. your team is based on whoever your sponsor is. And you score it um, three athletes per sponsor, which is the team. And they have to run. You have three athletes in the 100 for three New Balance athletes in the 100, three Nike athletes in the 100, et cetera. And you basically do all the events. And it's scored 5-3-1, um, basically. Mm-hmm. You know who like would win that? Style. Nike. Who would win that? Nike would win that. Would, mm-hmm. But would they, would they be – is there a – does Nike have a, Nike has a little bit of everybody and everyone? Everyone, of course. Like, is there any Nike event? Would is there any? I guess Adidas doesn't have enough athletes. Let me run down the men's side. Uh, the hundred, Christian Coleman. The but Noah Lyles could win the hundred. Yeah, the the two hundred, Christian Coleman or Michael Norman. Uh, and Noah Lyles would probably win that. So yeah, I mean Noah Lyles would be a big point getter. The four hundred, Michael Norman, or Fred Curley. Uh, the 800 Donovan or Brazier. Van Eekirk. What about Van Eekirk? The Oh, this Healthy is worldwide. Oh, yeah, it's worldwide. Is... So, yeah, it's worldwide. Oh, I love this. Yeah, this so, is good. This yeah, is yeah. much better than the impossible games. Uh, still taking probably Michael Norman. Uh, but who would who is uh, – uh, I think Gardner's sponsor is Adidas. So, Adidas might have a little little answer there in there the 400. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it would be a little closer. I still think Nike – uh, they got a lot of throwers too. I mean, Adidas doesn't sponsor throwers, if I'm not mistaken. So um, <clears throat> the field was where it would really get messy, I think, for Adidas and other brands. I mean, uh, New Balance would be really counting on their uh, women's distance events. They'd have to pull a lot of points there. <clears throat> so uh, still think Nike would would overwhelmingly come on top to show how how uh, how much control they have over the sport on the sponsorship level of athletes. But I would love to watch this meet to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 writer Joe, he did say Nike would dominate uh no, but yeah. you know. I mean, it, it just shows that Nike basically dominates because of the numbers, right? They're the only ones investing and giving you know, Joe Kovacs, Joe Kovacs, a sponsorship deal, and Daryl Hill, a sponsorship deal, uh, and excuse me, that's Ryan Crowder. world champion Joe Kovacs, okay? Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. But, like, yeah. you know, Brooks isn't stepping up to give a triple jumper money, whereas Nike is. Yeah, they just may not have the resources to do that. But, yeah, yeah, no, no Nike is uh, – it's it's a paradox that so many – I understand they they, they – in the trade-off for sponsoring those people, they exercise a ton of control over the sport and, you know, they basically own USATF, but I don't know where the sport would be without Nike. I'm not a shill for them, but, you know, at the same time, they are, they are building an economy that wouldn't be there for a lot of these other athletes. Uh, And uh, so good on them in that regard, even if you don't like some of their other actions throughout the, throughout the years. So I've had, uh, enough of this uh, team sponsor all this you know stuff that's never going to change. Everyone's just <laughs> everyone's going to go to Nike. Everyone's going to go to Nike, yeah. or one guy's going to go to Adidas, and that person's going to be Noah Lyles. You know, and yeah. then we just watch him run. Uh, anyway, all right. So this is actually a good email um, from Lynn. Uh, it's called "My Distance Running Pet Peeves." Hey, Flowchart guys, my distance running pet peeves. Let me know what you think about them. So she lists three. Then maybe you can uh, give some of your distance running pet peeves that you have Lincoln if you have any first okay. pet peeve when runners are standing at the line waiting for the race to start introductions are way too long mm-hmm. uh, these poor runners have warmed up just right for the race to start a time and then there's a five to ten minute for each runner to be introduced it's ridiculous 
that's a good way to ruin a good warm-up. Mm-hmm. I do agree that when you feel like you're ready to go, and ex- when, I, when I was training in college and high school, I timed it. I was like, I want to start my run. I want to, like, the gun to go off at this exact time. And if you mm-hmm. – the extra, even if it's like 30 seconds, it feels like off. Like I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like I don't want to stand too long. How do you feel about having to stand on the starting line? Do you think that sometimes, especially like in Diamond Leagues, they take a long time of them like introducing everyone? What do you yeah. think? So the worst I've ever seen this was this past February at the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. I swear to God, they brought the guys up. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't there for the start of the women's race. The women came after the men. Uh, but they, they brought the men up to the starting line and they introduced them in kind of waves. Well, they introduced basically the main players and then they kind of let everyone else trickle behind them. It took at least, at least five minutes of them standing on the starting line for them to get going. And the national anthem was factored in there to the point where Galen Rupp on the start line just took a seat. He just sat on the concrete and just sat down while they were waiting to go, it was ridiculous. It, it took forever to the point where it was just like getting weird. And it was like, you know, they couldn't do strides. They were done with that. And uh, I would have been so aggravated. Now I understand a marathoner, you know, you're going to loosen up throughout the race. It's 26 miles after all, but that was bizarre. I'd never seen something like that. Yeah. I, everyone knows when it's been too long. Uh, rarely is there a situation where it's too quick. It's always, you know, introductions and standing on the line. And, you know, you see athletes like in the 800, they'll sit on those big cones when it's taking a long time. It does. It, it takes way too long. And I, do I, I don't think it has a necessarily a negative impact on the race, but it's just annoying when you get the athletes out there and their introductions take forever. I mean, you know, it's more for a spectator thing. It's just kind of like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, why is this taking so long? And ultimately track has got a timing problem. I mean, and especially you go to like high school and, and college track meets where there's 17 people in the stands and, and, you know, there's a reason it's that because the meet takes 17 hours and we don't need more time added by the fact of waiting to get it's uh the one meet that really hasn't figured out is the pen relays they freaking finish things up and then they go again i think the bu indoor meets have this as well when there's entry after entry after entry is they they get rolling right away they don't mess around with this i understand some other meets are high profile and need to make introductions like world championships and and diamond leagues and whatnot but yes overall my opinion let's try to cut down on the time of of waiting at the starting line it's funny you mentioned pen relays uh, because I actually look at pen relays as my example when when I was running in high school and college of my example of no excuse for my performance. And by that I mean a lot of times I feel like if like oh I need to have the perfect warm up to have the perfect race, right? I need to time everything well. I need to be super fresh. I need to be not standing around for too long or too short of a time. And like everything is just timed perfectly where I get to the starting line and then I have my best race. When it, And I always say like that's the most important thing. But then I realize, well, if you can run well at Penn Relays, this mental gymnastics you do in your head about whether or not you, you timed your warm-up perfectly, it's thrown out the door because at the Penn Relays, you have to stand in yeah. that paddock area for like 20 yeah. to 25 minutes. <laughs> A lot of times yeah. it might even be in the rain. And... <laughs> I always learned that like, hey, if you can do it at Penn Relays, you can you can do it anytime because 
Pen relays makes you literally stand on your feet for 25 minutes before you run, which is probably not the most ideal way to the the ideal last 25 minutes before your race isn't really right. what you want. Um, but it it does it does I think a lot of it's mental, right? I think a lot of like you just mentally are telling your body like this is what your body needs to be able to be ready to go for a race, and you think you know three extra minutes on your feet is going to like make you more tired, but it really doesn't. I think it's just, you're just mentally like overthinking it. And uh, yeah. So I always look at pen relays as I remember standing literally in downpouring freezing cold rain <laughs> for 20 minutes and then having to run a four by four at pen relays. It was awful, but it made me think, you know, all right. You know, it's like the, when Wade Van Eekirk breaks the world record in the 400 in the outside lane. It made yeah. every runner realize I can't use my lane as a right. reason for my bad race because exactly. a guy broke the world record in the outside lane. And yet these complaints still happen, but uh, still yeah. yet, <laughs> I mean, I get mine could be deemed contradictory. Still yet, I think obviously we're not going to have in the Olympics at Franklin Field and going to make Christian Coleman wait in the paddock for 25 minutes for the 100, but uh I, I think there could be a balance, right, between uh, yeah, having the the long introductions and I don't know. So there's something to be learned. What's what's Lynn's next running pet peeve? This is kind of int- uh, disqualifications for a runner stepping on the inside curb. I can't see any way that this could be an advantage. Well, I mean, I guess the problem is if you could <clears throat> if you would abuse it you would have some people trying to get the inside lane and, and trying to cut off a few meters and say like an 800 or a 1500. If, if, if you mean, if you're able to run inside the track, you would have people abusing it. So I do understand now one step. No, yeah, that's I agree. one step. Uh, on the no, yeah, no, it's, it's not an advantage, but I think you have to have a hard and fast rule uh, because you would have people trying to abuse it. And then when the, uh, when people would protest, there would be no rule book to go to, you know, there were, there wouldn't be anything to set up the precedent for, for, uh, disqualification. Now, what we found through the years is that rule applies loosely when it comes to high profile names. We know famously in 2017 world champs, Mo Farah stepped on the inside of the track. He did not get disqualified last year at the world championships. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, was originally disqualified from the I think the 5k prelims for stepping on the inside of the track and then they they protested and I think his high profileness if you will uh reinstated him so the rule applies to some people and it doesn't to others so it's it's even though it's in the rules it can it's uh it's up for debate a lot of the times I I agree it doesn't it's it doesn't provide an advantage but uh yeah, I don't know. It's just there. There are. I do understand. Like rules need to be rules, and uh, I don't know. That one doesn't bother me as much. Just stay on the track, and I understand. I think you need to make exceptions when there's contact, and that's where we need to clarify the issue a little bit. But uh, overall, that one doesn't bother me because, you know, I don't know. It it obviously it doesn't ruin people's races, uh, except for the 2018 world indoor championships where everyone got disqualified so uh it it doesn't become too much of an issue too frequently for me to really hate it 
I mean, the time when it bothers me is when it's inconsistent. Like I remember, yeah, I course. created a I created a GIF of in 2018 during the DQ games that happened <laughs> when Paul Chalimo got disqualified for stepping on the inside rail. I took yeah. a GIF and I showed what Mo Farah did in 2017. Uh, in the tanke, I believe, and what Paul Chalimo did, they did the exact same thing. Whereas Paul Chalimo was DQ'd and Mo Farah wasn't, and that's what bothers me is when, of course, uh, of course, it's not you know because it's like both of them, like especially in a distance. I think it's the idea is that it's in a distance race, right? It's like in a ten k, is two inches stepping on the inside lane really going to be the reason you won a ten thousand meter race? Like no, right? No, I mean that's the idea yeah. behind it. Like it's like. You know, there so, just needs I mean, to I be think about- consistent officiating. Like what, whatever yeah. happened at Birmingham, I don't know if the the man in charge or woman in charge at the Birmingham World Indoor Championships two years ago like had a bad tuna fish sandwich and their stomach was hurting, so they decided to be grumpy to every athlete, or what the deal is. But that was the ultimate, like the the most exaggerated case of like bad officiating we had ever seen there just needs to be some consistency and i think i can agree we can agree with the you kind of forgive it a little bit it needs to be did you do this deliberately or was it intentional kind of like the flagrant or whatever the 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 routine fouls in the nba you check for intent and obviously everyone can argue that they they didn't have intent to step on the inside but i think that's fine you know or they have the rule like you know it's multiple steps you know if you take multiple steps on the inside you're disqualified but the one step and you're out that's stupid yeah and then uh the the last uh thing was uh disqualifications and distance events um we all think about james west in the prelims mm-hmm. when oh, 1500 gets starts. disqualified yeah false starts in uh distance races that there should be no false starts i think most for the most part i think nca is the only ones who kind of are super weird about this and maybe in high school races it's bad but yeah there should never be a false start in a distance race ever so mentioning being at the u.s olympic marathon trials a couple months ago i was thinking of the women's race i know i said it wasn't the start line but i did get to watch it on the monitor and there was a false start in the in the, in the women's race i mean they brought him back i can't remember who exactly it was but they started to go a little bit before the gun and that would have been the ultimate controversy if they would have been like, all right, Molly Huddle, Steph Bruce, uh, you are disqualified. And I know you ran a meter and a half, but you will not get to run this marathon. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, maybe, look, I get why they do it because one, they want consistency with the sprints. And then two, because if not, I'm sure there would be some knuckleheads every single time that would be trying to jump off the line at the perfect moment. So they'd be restarting and restarting and restarting. I don't know. Let's just simplify this, though. No, no false starts. Everybody, just go to the honor system and just get off the line normally. And if you trip, we don't have to worry about you having an ultimate James West nightmare scenario. We call it the James West, if you will, uh, where your entire NCAA season is ruined by, by the virtue of you stumbling at the starting line. So, of course, there's been other famous examples throughout the years, NCAA championships. I think of. I don't remember it at. at at like worlds or the Olympics, but yeah, it happens and it's a nightmare and they need to fix the rule. I I'm, I might have said this on a podcast before, but I remember my high school teammate. Uh, I had graduated. I had, I was like a freshman in college. So it was a lot of the people I ran with in high school. They were, you know, the underclassmen at the time when I was there, but they had a really good four by eight uh, at that could probably 
be top three in the state of Pennsylvania. So that's pretty good. Pennsylvania is a good four by eight school. Uh, so they they had basically had a sub seven fifty four by eight, which at that time in two thousand seven yeah. was pretty good, right? And in order to qualify for states, you had to run, you had to be top two at districts, right? And so uh, this it's fine. Like they said to go there and they're going to win districts. However, their four by eight, which again had like two one fifty three guys on it, so it was a good team. They got they got DQ'd for a false start, and so the four by eight didn't <laughs> qualify at district, so then they couldn't go to state. And all of the, like the rival coaches were like complaining to the refs because they knew that like, hey, you're disqualifying a team that's going to do well at state, and like, you know, that's like a fraternity in the district. Like you kind of like, oh, they have an opportunity to do well. We should make sure right. they go, and you're disqualifying them over a bullshit stepping on the line. Like literally, what he did was. The guy said, runners on your mark, and, like, he, like, started, like, almost falling over the line. He lifted up his back leg, and then the guy said, stand up, and then they disqualified him. And I was like, oh, my oh that's God. bullshit. Especially in a 4 by 8 high school 4 by 8 and then, you know, it was a power trip by the ref. I I think sometimes these officials, like, kind of enjoy disqualifying someone because it feels like they had, like, a purpose. Like, they stopped Yeah, they did something. their job. Yeah. They did their job. But really, like... And I felt bad because, you know, there's like two or three seniors on the team and they would have scored, they would have done well at state, but, and they got disqualified in a freaking district meet. Oh man. And they've still, never still got over it today. in the 13 never. years since they've never got over never it. Got over, never got over it. That's uh, brutal. So yeah. Any, any other pet peeves that you have? Mm, di- you? Like distance, distance running pet peeves. Yeah. My biggest pet peeve is the cool down. When coach says cool down, I don't want to cool down. I just ran a race. I'm going. I'm going yeah. to sleep. How I'm important down. is the cool down? I'm yeah, a cool down truther. I'm a cool down truther. <laughs> just walk a little bit, like walk over to the gas station to get a soda or candy or something. Like exactly. Like that I, especially pretzel, like man. last race of the season. I never, I never ever would cool down. Like. And like the importance to some people, oh, I got to cool down. No, you don't. Are you, you think you're going to get like a, like you're going to blow out your knee if you don't go on a short jog? I got to cool down. You're still going to be sore tomorrow. Like you just ran a hard race. I am here for, I need the science behind the cool down. So I, I, I need all the information that, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's not, do, do marathoners cool down after they've run 26 miles? Here, I need to go run an extra two miles. It's like no. I mean, they I mean, do. For, they do. They do cool down though. Stupid. At Houston, at the Houston half, which I've gone the past few years, they cool down in like the hotel lobby. They just run like for like ten to fifteen minutes in like the lobby of the hotel. Which I'm just mm-hmm. always like, man, how do they do this? But I guess that's the difference between an elite athlete and us is that they cool down and we didn't. And that that's why and, we're here that talking and some about other it. things. I mean, I don't cool down after this podcast. Like, I don't like like whisper with my vocal cords or anything like that. Like, I don't need that. I'm ready to go for my day after I get done here. Like, I I, I just I don't get it. I feel like those activities are similar in scope. So, I'm just saying, I think the cool down is overrated. I get the warm up. You know, you need to bust out some of that gunk in your legs. But I don't know, man. The cool down, I think it's overrated. Yeah, some people though are like really into cooldowns and warmups, and some people I feel like warm up like are crazy. I'm like, man, aren't you getting tired from your warm up? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't. I'm I was on some that. team where they were like, hey, we're running like 
we're running like four miles for our warm up, and I'm like, hey man, I'm not no. doing that. Like, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not not in the least. I I would you. I was famous for about the ten minute warm up. You know. Oh yeah. Like I mean, cross country, you're gonna be running over a twenty five minute race or about there, and no, I'm not. I'm not warming up for multiple miles here. I'll I'll shake that out in mile two of the race. Like I'm not thinking about. I'm sure there's a lot of really good runners and like some coaches who are like saying like the blasphemy of shitting on warm ups and cool downs. Like where these they're supposed to be the voice of the sport and they're just saying like all this. It's like telling like hey basketball players yeah practice. We're like Allen Iverson right now like mm-hmm. uh, practice talking about practice. Who cares? Just show up for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What, any other thing that bothers me about distance running? God, I'm trying to think. You know. I wish we didn't have to the the shoe companies hadn't tricked everyone into thinking that you need to change shoes all the time. Right now I'm balling on a budget and I've been wearing the same running shoes for just about a year and they're pretty much worn down, but they they are just fine. I think the shoe companies have tricked us into thinking we need new shoes every certain amount of certain amount of miles. My shoes are like down to the the threads and I, I they're still good to go and they're just now getting getting into uh in, it's just now getting good with them now that they're the, all the foam is eroded. Uh, I, I, I think definitely <laughs> the, the brands have fooled us there. You're feeling the gravel on your toes now. There you go. Running? It's kind of like well, the, uh, the, bar- the barefoot running. I think we need to unlock a conspiracy though, about these shoes, shoe companies. What if they're purposely designing these shoes to fall apart after a certain mileage, of course you know, are. to make it buy I mean, new ones. The similar Apple where, where they were like killing the, 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 this the cell phone uh chart like the battery life was dying on purpose what if they're mm-hmm. purposely creating shoes that are designed to fail after you know a certain number of miles right this I is mean, another this is a big big uh netflix documentary coming on called <laughs> designed to fail how nike made you buy too many shoes yeah uh no that's 100 percent what is being done there foam foam scrapes off really quick and uh but i'm just telling you if you hang on you wait till all of the tread on the bottom of the shoe is completely flat. That is when they're finally broken in, and uh, that's when they hit their sweet spot. So, uh, do we have any other emails? Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess. Uh, I think my one other pet peeve I have is like the yeah. overly, um, like specific, and like routine teammate who like does like just so much, so many things like. They need to roll like their legs for a certain amount of time. They need to do like all these crazy things. They need to have their gels. They need to have their like different, you know, running. I don't know. Like, it's just like a little bit too much. It's like, guys, we're just running a 5k. We don't need to like be like, we're not making a Mona. They treat their body like it's the Mona Lisa with like, oh, they got to like do their, their IT band stretches and all this stuff. And I'm like, Hey man, we're, we're, we're not good. We're not a good runner. We're just, we're just running a 5k. I mean, this is me just being high school, being the non-elite athlete that I was. And maybe I'm using jealousy as a week to shit on the athletes who actually cared about their bodies and did the right well, but <laughs> did it the right way. So I'm kind of talking myself into, uh, into making myself look bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like the people who kind of like, I knew someone who'd roll their, like they would never, you could not go, they couldn't go five minutes without massaging their leg with like a roller 
It's like they were mm-hmm. constantly doing it. I'm like, hey man, like stop. It was just yeah, just overly, overly caring for your legs. Yeah, I think it's some of it's nervous habits, and also you know if you're a runner, your family members or friends, if they're trying to get you something for your birthday or Christmas, they're gonna get you like the the running toys that come with it. You know, foam rollers. Yeah. In my day, the foam roller wasn't as big. It was the the rolling stick. I think I had a couple of those. You just bang it up against your calves a couple times. I don't know if it actually does anything. People swear by foam rollers. I have one in my house. I never use it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I was more interested there in your comparison or your parallel though with the Mona Lisa treating your body like the Mona Lisa. I'm fascinated how you came up with that. That was uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that's me not being good at my improv of talking of <laughs> ranting about high school teammates who took cross country too seriously. Um, there you go. So an- another email just kind of talking about something that. I think, yeah, you were on this podcast. We have two emails uh, kind of asking why we left these two people off our Oregon Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, one comes from Ryan, uh, who said we should have had Phil Knight on the okay. Mount Rushmore. And another guy, Kevin, said we should have had Otis Davis on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, I know about reason. Okay. So. Uh, obviously I know both those men. One of them is the, one of the richest men in the world. Uh, I figured he's had enough notoriety. Uh, was Phil Knight an, an athlete at Oregon? I think that's correct. I don't know exactly his history. Um, obviously as far as a donor to the school, he's huge, but I mean, I'm not going to put him on the Mount Rushmore with some of the best athletes in, in world history. Otis Davis was great in the sixties and he's on the Bowerman Towerman as it has been dubbed on the house of run podcast. Uh, so I think he's getting his own credit. It's just tough. Listen, I know people love to put these people that have run, that ran times that would have been comparable to the modern era, like way back 50 years ago. But like, how am I going to put Otis Davis compared to like Edward Cheserek and Ashton Eaton, Galen Rupp and Steve Prefontaine? Those are four guys. You're going to put Otis Davis ahead of one of those guys? Like, I can't do that. Like he ran 45 seconds in 1960. That's 45-0. That's incredibly impressive. And, you know, I know I no doubt he had success at the Olympic level, but I'm sorry, but that's not the record anymore. And I know that's he's a era and he was probably running on cinder tracks, but I don't do that. I don't I don't control for era. Like I just put everybody where they're at and uh and I understand that tends to lean heavily onto the side of the modern era but still yet i couldn't i couldn't he's a good athlete but i, I can't put him ahead of rup chez uh, pre and ashton eaton yeah i think uh one rule of thumb i always think whenever it's talking about debating best of all time athletes across different generations i always think of the wilt chamberlain rule and by that i mean you look at wilt chamberlain's numbers uh in mm-hmm. basketball it's like he was he was two people he would he would score like 40 to 50 points a game, have like 30 rebounds a game. That's never going to happen until in the now. Like no one is going to yeah. get 30 rebounds a game because like the sport's different. Will Chamberlain was just like he he got all these stats just in a, a way that isn't possible now, right? And so you can't be like, well, unless like no one is going to say LeBron James is not as good or Michael Jordan is not as good as Will Chamberlain because Chamberlain had more points and rebounds. No, they're going to realize 
No, it was all about dominating the era and, you know, all that, you know, all the different nuances that comes in that debate. But I think in track and field, when we glorify like Olympic champion, yeah, but also like Kenya wasn't running in the Olympics in like the early, you know, 1900s, right? So like there's all these different aspects that like you have to take into consideration where you kind of when we're creating Mount Rushmore's or these virtual Mount Rushmore's, you have to give a little more weight towards the modern era because let's be honest, it was harder to be a good track and field athlete in the modern era than it did before that. And that's just a fact. It's It was harder. And so if you succeeded in a harder era, you should get more credit, you know? So that's, yeah. So and- sorry. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw some criticism, not too much, but some criticism of putting Cesarek on my top 10 list of Oregon athletes ahead of Steve Prefontaine. And I understand the impact is far, you know, the the impact of Prefontaine far outreaches that of Cesarek. And some of that, for better or worse, is to to do with his premature death. And I, I know, you know, Prefontaine was a fantastic runner. But at the same time, I mean, Cesarek won 10 more NCAA titles than Steve Prefontaine. And I mean, he got hurt too. He could have won two more. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I know he did legitimately lose that cross country title, but he also did. Yeah. He didn't have a, a senior outdoor track and field championship season. Like he would have had, you know, 19 titles. So listen, most people don't care where we rank these people or whatnot, but like there is proper respect where it's due, I think, given to the older eras. Um, but um, I'm not just automatically going to put C. Prefontaine number one at the expense of Cesarek when Cesarek's been ignored and undervalued for the last few years without that. And and uh, I just, I look at, you know, I, I, I look at the numbers, man. I look at times and I look at titles. And if you only won one or two NCAA titles, uh, you know, you're going to be down compared to other people. So, I understand the impact of Dodus Davis and some of the older guys, but they, they don't measure up to some some of these newer dudes. And one last thing on the Phil Knight case that Ryan was saying. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, he was arguing all of his donations that he's done for to the pro- program and like obviously the creation of Nike and all that stuff. Uh, like, do you think, though, we would have a Galen Rupp and a Cheserek if it weren't for Phil Knight's philanthropy towards Oregon track and field well I mean I I don't know maybe not to the full level uh but we're not gonna put him in the, in the on the Mount Rushmore or what we're we just gonna have rich guys on the top of sports Mount Rushmore's now I mean what who's the greatest par- patriot of all time well it's Robert Kraft I mean no that's not how it works <laughs> great he's really rich he didn't do any of the he didn't win any of the titles Maybe he paid for the uniforms, but uh, no, get out of here with that take. He with this uh, this emailer also put Jerry Krause on the Mount Rushmore of the '90s Bulls. Is that the thing? Oh, every, the everyone hates that guy. Yeah, <laughs> everyone hates that guy. Come on. Have you watched the Last Dance yet? No, because I I just don't have cable, and uh, and I yeah, I just I I'm either waiting for it to I'm an e, to to you know I'm famously an ESPN Plus subscriber. So they're not releasing that doc yet on ESPN Plus. I, I'm thinking in a few months Netflix is going to have it, and so I'll get to watch it. I mean, listen, I I I haven't seen that footage, but I mean, I know a lot of this story by being a Bulls fan, and it's fantastic. And I will absolutely watch it. And I'm bummed to be missing it because it's what everyone's talking about online. But 
I've not seen it. I'm looking forward to watching it. But uh, yeah, I uh, I feel like I'm familiar with a lot of these these stories. I, I I watched it last night and I texted you and Kevin. Uh, they did a little vignette, like little like ten minute segment on Phil Knight, like the origins of Phil Knight and like how he not Phil Knight, excuse me, Phil Jackson, and yeah. how he you know his his style as a coach and like where he came from and his personality. And I got a lot of Mike Smith vibes from mm-hmm. Phil Jackson, and it kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, like when he, if you if you had, if you had to pick a basketball coach uh, to be like, who's the track version of of Phil Jackson? It is Mike Smith. I don't know. I know Mike uh, Phil Jackson really into the Zen and Buddhist principles. I don't know where Mike Smith sits on those, but I can see the comparison. Uh, I don't know what the uh, does, does Mike, Mike Smith all about getting the mind right, man? Mike Smith is yeah, huge does, on. Does he have his own version first, of the triangle body. offense? What's the what's his version of the triangle offense? I'm he curious. does. Uh, he has like a he has four or five racing um, plans, Principal. like a racing oh. uh, strategies, yeah. and they all have a different so name. A, like one, the, a like one of the strategies is called offense. go go. Yeah, Pentag- he has a Pentagon offense. I forget. Mm-hmm. He used to. He told me the different what they're all called, I forgot. But like one of them is called Go, 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 which means you just, oh, no, it's not called Go, Go. It's called Gas, 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 which means just go from the gun, which is what they did at the 2017 NCAA Cross Country Championships. That was Gas, 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 where Tyler Day and Matthew Baxter just went for broke. And it worked, right? So he has different different strategies. All right, I think we should uh, we should call it here because our man, our producer Alon, I think he's got he's got some place to be. He's got to click over to another tab and start another podcast. So we'll call it there. Email us flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. for myself, Lincoln Shrike. He's Gordon Mack. We will see you tomorrow for another dish, another edition of the Flowtrack Podcast.